0: I'm your host, Andy Burdick, joined today by the ginger prince of baseball, Bob Finkbeiner. Bob, how are you tonight? I am very well tonight. It's great to have you back. We missed uh, we missed recording last week. We all have busy lives going on, so we just didn't have uh, didn't have time to, to get our recording in. So it's good to be back this week. Today, we're going to be talking about the Indians. We're going to be talking about the Pirates. But before we get to that, I have to talk about something. It's going to make my blood pressure rise a little bit, Bob. <laughs> But we have to we have to address it. It is the the giant pink elephant in the room, which is that Tim Tebow, former NFL quarterback, now current I think what is he an SEC analyst I think or something like that, something like that yes. So twenty nine year old Tim Tebow who is uh, currently a, a television analyst for the SEC we believe, is holding a workout that he has graciously invited all thirty major league baseball teams to in Los Angeles next Tuesday, August 30th, as he looks to transition to playing professional baseball. Bob, what are your thoughts about Tim Tebow trying to make this transition to becoming a professional baseball player?
1: First off, Tim Tebow is an all-around good guy.
0: <laughs> I think that's what makes me like him even
1: <laughs> less. I've never, I've never, from between about we'll you and other friends I don't think I can recall a more polarizing polarizing figure than Tim Tebow people don't like him I just can't stand Tim not he's a good guy <laughs> he's a nice guy and I think it's when people
0: say that that makes me just like him even less just I can't stand that everybody's like oh but he's a nice guy oh I just oh I hate it well then he should go to do whatever it is nice guys do you know what he's not <laughs> He's not a quarterback, and he's not a baseball player. I'm just going to flat out say it, Bob. Tim Tebow, as a baseball player, it's going to be a joke.
1: I tend to agree.
0: Now, I, I could go on a diatribe. I could literally make this whole episode 50 minutes of talking about how I hate Tim Tebow, and he's not going to be a professional baseball player. So I'm going to let you kind of reel this in for me so I don't go on this 50-minute this tirade of why I hate Tim Tebow and why this won't work out. So, Bob, that was
1: one touchdown pass.
0: (laughs) I'm still a little salty about that touchdown pass. I can't lie. That pretty much has just burned into my brain for the rest of my life. But, uh, Bob, why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners, what do you think it is that makes uh, Tim Tebow's transition to trying to be a baseball player uh, an unlikely, uh, I guess, what, what's going to make the transition difficult for him to do?
1: Well, first off, baseball's a challenging sport.
0: <laughs> we could pretty much just sum it up in that. Baseball's <laughs> it's really, really hard. It's really, it's really hard.
1: It's, yeah, it's super hard. Some people have said that the hardest thing to do in sports is to hit a fastball. or any pitch thrown at him. Yeah, I would
0: say, yeah. I mean, trying to hit a Jamie Moyer fastball you know, like an 82 mile an hour fastball. That's hard. It's
1: hard. Or now we can say Jeff Weaver.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jared Weaver. Yeah. Or sorry, yeah, yeah, Jared. Sorry. Probably a Jeff, Jared, and Jeff probably have very similar <laughs> profiles at this point. I would think.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh boy, Jared Weaver. But his,
0: his outings are rough.
1: Tebow hasn't played baseball since high school. Yeah, since high school.
0: And I, I don't know this for a fact because honestly. This is the most that I ever want to have to talk about Tim Tebow, and I'm not going to spend time researching the history of Tim Tebow because it's just not a worthwhile venture. But from what I collected on ESPN and other sports outlets, Tim Tebow was, by all accounts, a great high school baseball player, like one of those kids that just hit, you know, like 500 his senior year and hit like 12 home runs and all that. But we're talking about he's had a decade layoff from playing any or any organized baseball
1: Uh
0: that's a long time to go without seeing pitches yeah and i'm sure you know what and this probably just all plays into tim tebow's persona i bet he's just his noses to the grindstone right now bob i bet your best friend tim tebow is just working his little little heart out
1: well i did see that Apparently, this uh, showcase has is the culmination of one year preparation.
0: Yeah, that's. I'm sure. I'm sure he's been just he's he's putting his all into this, Bob. I bet. I what, bet he's just dedicated all of his free time to it the past year.
1: So how about this? Let's just go out on a limb and say that Tebow's not going to have a successful showcase if he really wants to play baseball still does he subject himself to the independent league somewhere and and go from there?
0: That's what I was going to say. I feel like this feels like to me, I think what was the Sonoma Stompers that signed Jose
1: Canseco? Yep. For one, uh, basically they end up being one game.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. That's kind of what this feels like to me. This feels like something where, and you know how different it is hitting in a cage versus hitting live pitching.
1: Right.
0: Like, there's no. I have a really, really hard time believing, and I'm sure all the teams that go to this are, are just doing their due diligence, but I have a hard time believing that a scout is going to go watch this Tim Tebow workout and say, Yeah, I feel comfortable. I feel comfortable putting my name on the line to sign this 29 year old guy who hasn't played organized baseball in a decade. <laughs> Can you imagine a perfect, like, we've talked to enough scouts. You know what I mean? Like, can you imagine one of those guys putting their name on the line for Tim Tebow?
1: Like, I can't. You know.
0: <laughs> like, I don't know what he would have to do with this showcase to make a scout be like, yeah. Like, the the best I could see, like, I could maybe see a scout going into a room and saying something along the lines of, ah, he's, he's worth a flyer it it do our minor league organizations uh, a service to, to, you know, maybe drum up some fan support. I just, I can't imagine Tim Tebow doing anything at this workout that would make a scout go, yeah, this could be a good signing.
1: I agree. But however, though, let's transition a little bit to a actual baseball player who is in the midst of a position change, who was signed today, I think. To report to double-day uh, team for Dodgers, one former first baseman, Dan Johnson, now converted knuckleball pitcher, Dan Johnson. Oh,
0: Dan Johnson.
1: The, yeah. Uh,
0: Tampa Bay Rays hero, Dan Johnson.
1: That is correct. So apparently he's been hanging out with uh, Tim Wakefield or someone like that, maybe Charlie Huff. Yeah. And now he has a possible chance to extend his career a few more years.
0: And that, you know what, honestly, that was the the last point I wanted to bring up about Tim Tebow before we moved on, which was my, my last point was going to be, it's, I bet it would have been an easier transition for Tim Tebow. Had he been a, having a showcase to be a pitcher. Right. Because that we've seen before. Yeah. That we've seen, we've seen, you know, yeah. I mean, you just gave a great example with Dan Johnson or Tim Wakefield or what was the, the guy from the rookie, uh, pitch for the race Jim Morris yeah Jim Morris yeah like we've seen that before
1: mm-hmm.
0: that you can imagine but 29 years old trying to make it as a hitter that you're that's a hard sell yeah but I don't know and and that's so the the point that I I kind of just wanted to expand on a little bit which is you know if the, just purely hypothetical just 100% just hypothetical because we are just in the area and this is the team that we see all the time. But like, imagine if Detroit went out and signed Tim Tebow and they assigned him to, uh, you know, double A Erie. Like I would drive 10 minutes down the street to watch what's about to happen to Tim Tebow. Like that would be the most. You would drive 10 minutes just to go down there and boo. Oh, I would boo Tim Tebow. I would show up in my Steelers jersey and (laughs) just boo him mercilessly. I would have signs that say, never forget.
1: (laughs) Just You're too nice.
0: Boo him mercy. Yeah, Tim Tebow, nobody likes you. <laughs> just boo him. I would just endlessly boo him that game. Um but yeah, yeah, like something like that. Like, I could see value in a franchise signing Tim Tebow, but I can't see Tim Tebow making a career out of this at all.
1: No. But knowing that it is Tim Tebow, it would not shock me that some miracle and Tim Tebow is going to be decent.
0: No, I can't (laughs) like you've seen, we've sat behind home plate and seen Jacob Turner throw those like 88 mile an hour sliders. Can you imagine a guy that hasn't seen
1: that kind of pitching in 10 years? I can't, I can't see Tim Tebow even having any success in rookie league ball.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, like rookie league ball is where <laughs> rookie league ball is where like Stetson Alley was decapitating people. That's
1: right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just I can't. There's not a scenario in my head where where I see the anything happening with Tim Tebow successfully on the field. It seems like a great marketing ploy if a team wants to take advantage of it like that. But mm-hmm. as far as a baseball move goes, I think it's just... It'll be it'll be over before it starts. <laughs>
1: All
0: right, so we're both in agreement on that? Or can we talk about some real baseball now?
1: Yeah, let's move past Tim Tebow. I'm tired
0: of talking to the bane of my existence, Tim Tebow. He just haunts me. <laughs> Tim Tebow will not leave me alone. Leave me alone, Tim Tebow. All right, let's talk about uh, the Cleveland Indians because they are... I think it's safe to say they are, at the moment... Cleveland's favorite sports team, although I don't well, know, Robert,
1: well,
0: Robert Griffin might have might have ticked the uh, tick the needle up a little bit for the the Cleveland fans. I don't know, but they're they're selling out the stadium, Well, they're close to selling out the stadium.
1: They had days. their fourth sellout uh, on Saturday. So the, fans, the fans are showing up. Yes, they've actually climbed out of the gutter now. They were <laughs> last in attendance, and now if they are twenty eighth, and they might be in position to possibly get 27th in attendance.
0: Yeah. Apparently all you have to do is just, uh, you know, stay in first place by like seven games. Yeah. And that'll, uh, that'll pull the Cleveland Indians fans out of the
1: woodwork. I still think that the ticket prices are still a bit higher than I expect them to be in Cleveland, but yes, but you we know what? Are...
0: And, and I've talked about this ad nauseum on the podcast, I, there are very few major league baseball organizations that are as good to the fans as the Cleveland Indians are like, they still have dollar dog night mm-hmm. at the Jake. They have two, like $2, uh, like $2 Budweiser's $2 Bud lights, dollar dogs. That's nuts. That's what we get cool. at like Jerry A park. You know what I mean? That's like a double a promotion
1: and, this and they're, they're doing half, at a major league park. Yeah. And second round of innovation is too. uh, the ballpark looks amazing the concession choices you have between the food and the beer and the craft beer. It's, it's a fantastic place to go watch a ball game. Uh,
0: yeah. I, I love it. I did, the Dolans for, you know, whatever you want to say, the faults of the, the Cleveland Indians franchise, the Dolans do a great job of taking care of the fans at, at the Jake who come out. Um,
1: and it also helps that uh, Cleveland municipality has that syntax that allow basically, you know, the Jake to be renovated in two phases. I think it was 25 million dollars that has to go to renovations of the structure itself. Cannot yeah, be payroll. Right.
0: Yes, it has to be spent to improve the stadium.
1: Yeah, and that's that was a big. I think, I guess, uh, a change for better, obviously. Yes. But they also just had. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. I saw the article this week. A minority in investor or a minority owner has joined the tribe and Dolan family. Oh, really? Yeah, as a Kansas City native, I think, basically. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, he's part of the ownership structure now. So I wonder if that's going to maybe see an influx, perhaps, of some new money. I don't know. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. But as you referred, though, we are in first place, which is – fantastic and i want to say and i'm sure you watched some of the ball games too i can't recall watching this team and sitting back and smiling at the joy and excitement they're playing with right now oh they're so fun to watch
0: i i, I repeat this constantly too to people if you go to the stadium on a day that francisco lindor is playing there's a good chance you're going to see something pretty amazing Oh yeah! Throughout the course of that game, like they're so much fun to watch. They're they're hitting the ball really well. Uh, they've scored 617 runs this season. I mean exactly. they're out they're outpacing everybody in their division. Runs scored. Yep. Um, you know they've surrendered by far the fewest runs in the Central. Um, their run differential right now is uh, positive. You know it's plus 106. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that, that's fantastic. Oh yeah.
1: Ends all without Michael Breitung basically.
0: Yeah. Right. I think you have like 11 games of Brantley this season
1: or whatever it is. Right now, yeah. Right now, the Tribe's infield, starting infield, basically, defense. Around the horn, you have J. Ram, Jose Ramirez, Lindor, Kipnis, and Napoli. second half of the season since the All-Star break, each one of those guys is hitting above 300. Oh, it's been great. It's, it's been it's been really, really fun to watch. Uh, we did know that Brantley is done for the season. He had another operation on his, on his shoulder. He's supposed to be back and doing baseball activities, I think, about four months. So he should hopefully should be good to go for spring training next season, but we'll see. Uh Daniel Salazar came back and had a very abbreviated outing. He went one inning and did not have the command control that we're used to seeing from Salazar. I think that's kind of sketchy a little bit too, but it was non existent. So Tito pulled back the game and it sent him to the bullpen. That was kind of an odd maneuver. Yeah, that was a weird, one. Wanted him to get day. his pitches in for, you know, that, that night and work his way back up the strength. But he goes tonight against Oakland, so hopefully we'll see a better day Salazar tonight because definitely need that arm down the stretch here. Uh, I sent out a tweet, I think last week it was, that MLB should probably invite Josh Tomlin to throw the Home Run Derby.
0: Good uh, Lord, Josh Tomlin.
1: He's allowed 30... Two home runs, thirty-two.
0: And the thing was, he started out the season like pretty strong. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. he had an ERA under four for a, a long good, time. Yeah, good part of the season. These last couple starts, though, man.
1: Which I'm gonna pose the question to you, and probably should we should ask our friend Dan Buffalo, with Mike Clevenger, <laughs> who, who, for the record, by the way, is now Dan in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Oh,
0: yeah. okay. Dan in Buffalo is now Dan in Pittsburgh.
1: All right. Uh, Mike Clevenger is a long man at the bullpen. He's said some really good things his last few outings. Do you suspect that Tito might flip-flop Tomlin and Clevenger?
0: I mean, at some point, I think you have to be considering it. The, the fact that it hasn't happened now is kind of um, interesting to me. I mean, if you, if you go back to his last, so his last four starts, uh, his last four starts, uh, of the year against the Yankees, four and two thirds, seven earned runs against the Nationals, four innings, seven earned runs against the Red Sox, seven and two thirds, three runs, not a bad start in there. And then his last outing against Toronto, four and a third, six earned runs. Boy, I don't know how long you want to keep rolling him out there to just kind of get shellacked like that and then you know on top of it you're taxing your bullpen as well yes so i mean i i, I don't know i going from starting to or going from relief pitching to starting is sometimes you know a, a touchy area because when you have a player who finds success i think uh, a lot of times you don't want to do anything to to jeopardize the the Mm -hmm. production that you're getting from them. But in that same respect too, you know, you have to think from a value point of view, like, do you, you know, do you want to try and squeeze more value out of Clevenger uh, in that starting role? And I'm sure, I'm sure those are probably the discussions that they're having internally uh, when they're talking about like, you know, Hey, do we want to take Clevenger and put him in the starting role?
1: Yeah. So something to keep an eye on, especially as we finish the season, um, I'd be curious to see what happens. Now, if Clevenger can continue to perform well in his current role, that would give maybe a change, some you know, a better possibility. But it's hard to say still. Uh, I do want to add that the trade for Andrew Miller has been, I think, a smashing success so far. This has been uh,
0: this has been a topic of discussion between Dan and Pittsburgh and I. Uh, for, for you know, since, basically since the trade is, has been made. And so I'll, I'll share my point of view, and then you can, you know, you can tell me what you agree with, what you, you don't agree with. But when you're in a position that the Indians are in, that trade for Andrew Miller is the trade that every fan certainly dreams of their team making. And while the long-term ramifications of that trade could come back to, to hurt Cleveland. You know, while that trade could bite them in the long run player production wise, I think that they absolutely made the right move in uh, trading those assets for Andrew Miller. That's how I feel about it. I I think, and and again, this is just me personally based on what I've seen of Clint Frazier. And we've, we've seen quite a bit of Clint. We've seen as much of Clint Frazier probably as we did of Francisco Lindor. And mm-hmm. I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that I think Clint Frazier is going to be uh, an above average major league baseball player. Like I th- I think Clint Frazier at his peak is going to be like a 30 home run guy. Um, whether he's a 30 home run guy like Chris Carter or whether he's a 30 home run guy, like, uh, right. you know, like George Springer this season that, that I'm not sure of, but I mean, I th- I think he's a legitimate, like at his peak an all-star 30 home run kind of player. Um, so yeah, long term maybe it does bite them, but man, Andrew Miller, even seventy innings of Andrew Miller, oh. like his numbers are ridiculous. So that's actually, how I feel. How, like wh- I, I, don't know how you feel as an Indians fan. You know, as someone who's watching this team every day.
1: No, I agree with that a lot, and <clears throat> I'll further add to it. You know, how many Indians fans will sit back and say, hopefully, come October. As we make a playoff, you know, run, and, make, and we're in the playoffs, and here comes Miller in the game, in a high leverage situation, and gets out of the jam, or comes in and closes the book to end the game. We're not going to think about, oh man, Clint Frazier, it's been so nice to see him. We're going to say, that's right, Miller came in, shut him down, keep going, keep winning those ball games.
0: And. The, the thing about Andrew Miller that Tito has to be loving is the fact that he's fine with being deployed however Tito deems it necessary. Like, yeah. I've seen Andrew Miller come in in, like, the seventh inning. He's come in. The sixth and, inning one time, too. Yeah, the sixth. sixth. inning, like, the eighth inning. He's closed a couple games. And he's just fine with it. Like, he's just there to get the outs, which we all know that's really what baseball is all about. It's about yeah. getting through those high-leverage situations. You know, like... If the heart of the order is up in the eighth inning, why would you sit on Andrew Miller and put in a relief pitcher who's not as good to face the heart of the order? And then you might not even get a chance to make it to him in the ninth inning.
1: Right. So, I, I mean, that...
0: Tito's got to be loving that Andrew Miller's on board with like this whole flexible
1: usage thing. And with that, Cody Allen's also on board being used. However, you know, best used Tito, you know, deems. So you have two guys that are really willing to go ahead and pitch whenever.
0: I mean it's ridiculous. do you want to hear my favorite Andrew Miller stat this season? What's that? My favorite. Like it's Andrew Miller has a lot of crazy statistics this season. My favorite Andrew Miller stat, his left on base percentage. Take a stab. What do you think it is?
1: Oh. I will say 97%. <laughs> Undershot it, Bob.
0: 99.4% oh. left on base percentage. Wow like that's ridiculous striking out 14.59 batters per nine like that's nuts so yeah I mean trading Clint Frazier it might sting if he turns into the next Mickey Mantle and you might be like oh I wish we still had Clint Frazier but man when you're going for it this year that is a weapon that you want to have in Andrew Miller
1: you know who is probably a big fan of uh, Tito's bullpen usage? Who's that? Keith Law.
0: <laughs> I'm sure Keith Law is loving that, yeah.
1: <laughs> Smart managing. Uh, I guess I'll say one more, or two more things. Tristan McKenzie was promoted. Uh, I think he's made three starts now for Lake County Captains, and he's continuing to have success and advance that are higher level up in the game. So it makes me very happy to see him do well still. And I've seen uh, Brady Aiken now pitch twice for the Scrappers. The first outing I saw him pitch, I think he went three innings. He, uh, people near me said he topped out 91 miles per hour in his fastball. Change up was, <clears throat> I think, in the high 70s. His curveball was filthy. And to me, the curveball was going to be a nasty pitch for him as he progresses. This last outing last night, he looked a lot better, much more refined, showed much more control, command pitches better than the previous outing I saw. So maybe good things are happening now with Brady Aiken.
0: Good. That, and that velocity being up, that was, to yes. me, that was one of the more important things, you know, getting seeing that velocity start taking over 90 miles an hour. That's good. So anything else you want to touch on with the Tribe?
1: Uh, they have a big four-game series. They – after they finish their series with Oakland, they go to Texas for four games.
0: Can we talk about the one player that we have to talk about every oh, time yes. we talk about the Tribe?
1: The guy now with the new awesome like uh, rock star salute at home plate for his inside the park walk-off?
0: Tyler Naquin is... Like, yeah. I, I want to be best friends with him. I'm such, a, I'm such a Tyler Naquin supporter and will probably eventually be a Tyler Naquin apologist, but... I just, I love Tyler Naquin. I love, I love everything about Tyler Naquin. I, <laughs> I hope he, I hope he has a great major league career. I really do.
1: <laughs> well, the protection they got from him so far this season, along with Ramirez and Rasha Davis and Chisholm Hall and Almonte has been a huge strength to overcome the loss of Michael Brantley.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know. And, and the, the fact that they have very similar hitting profiles, I think, kind of uh, also blinds me to some of the the gaps in his uh, in his own profile. But he's having a he's having a decent year. Like, I get that his year is being fueled by an abnormal BABIP. Yes. And you know, like when this normalizes, you know, maybe he's not going to be a 300 hitter. But like, I absolutely see scenarios where I could see. Tyler Naquin being a two eighty, uh, fifteen homer, you know, seventy RBI kind of guy.
1: hmm
0: Like that's that's the kind of player that I could I could see him being uh, as he progresses through his career.
1: I should also mention a shout out too that uh, the other minor piece that trade when they acquired Brennan Geyer, he has been phenomenal. So far for tribe.
0: Oh, who they? Who else came back with Geyer?
1: Just Geyer. When, when they got Geyer from Tampa Bay.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, just Brandon. Geyer. He, right, right, he's
1: right. been he's been great. I think actually I should mention his stats. Actually, since the All Star break, Geyer is hitting four fourteen with an on base of five hundred.
0: And I think they're they're kind of using him like, and you know, it's another one of Tito's favorite things yeah. to do. Like they're kind of platooning him, aren't they? Putting him. He in playing with so Chisholm Hall.
1: Yeah. And then basically Davis platoons with Naquin. Okay. And Amante, he just slides over from center to well, right field off and on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, it is a good time to be a Tribe fan, that's for sure. Keep it going. Everything's clicking. Okay. So uh, did we we hit all the Cleveland Indians news. You ready to move on to the Pirates? Yep. let's do it. All right, let's do this thing. So uh, the Pirates currently are sitting at 62 and 60, and it looks like—and I haven't checked the score since we started recording—and I have the Altoona game on now. But uh, it looks like the Pirates have a uh, have a, a good game going tonight, which is nice. But as of right now, they're 16 games back of the Chicago Cubs. Like things have gotten ridiculous in our division. Um, but they're three and a half games back of the Cardinals for that second wild card, um, which has really been the focus of the Pirates. <laughs> basically all season since the cubs (laughs) have just run away with this division but uh yeah the pirates are currently up they're up uh, five nothing so that's nice but you you know the pirates they went on this great road trip i think they were i think their last road trip they hit up i want to say the dodgers they took two out of three from the dodgers and then i think they swept the giants they did on that that west coast road trip Mm
1: -hmm. so like
0: great road trip they go like five and one They beat, like, two really tough teams.
1: In a big home series against Miami.
0: Yeah, and they just, they get swept. Yeah. And you're like, what team am I watching? Like, are you the same team that I just watched on this, like, six-game road trip who now you can't score runs on, (laughs) like, I don't even know what scrubs Miami was throwing out there. Like, were we at, like, Tommy Kohler? I don't even know who's after him in the rotation. Like, just (laughs) absolutely... And, and they couldn't put up any runs. I mean, Garrett Cole had a start, and it wasn't a great start. I think it was like six and two-thirds, maybe. He gave up like 12 hits. Maybe, I want to say like two or three earned runs. I think three earned runs, maybe. And like Pittsburgh could not, they scored like one run that game. Like Garrett Cole kind of like battled through that game, like kept them in it despite his, you know, just uh, despite getting knocked around for a bit. And yeah, Pittsburgh just could not put up any runs. And it was like that all series. And that's been just kind of the, the up and down of, I think, this season. Where, you know, you're feeling really good coming off that road trip. You're like, yeah, we just swept the Giants. We're coming into this huge series with Miami. We're really looking hard at this wild card spot. And then Miami just sweeps us. It's it's tough to stomach sometimes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think it's been, and I guess this is just like purely my perspective on this season, but it's been harder to stomach this season because now we're coming off a 98 win season and this is happening. So it felt like I almost feel like this season would be easier to stomach if it happened last season. And then this season we had the 98 wins. Cause you feel like you're building up to it. You know what I mean? Right. But like last season we had the 98 wins and you're like, Oh yeah, good things forever. And then you have this season where, you know, the pirates are, floating right around 500 and the other thing too i'll say and i think this is what i've kind of taken away watching pittsburgh and cleveland so closely for the last few years specifically as we've been doing the podcast but this season kind of reminds me of the last couple years in cleveland where when you're like a small market team or you know even like a mid-market team and some of the things that you are really counting on going right, don't go right. That's what prevents you from propelling yourself to like a 98 win season. That's why Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh is not chasing 98 wins because things that they were counting on going right and they needed to go right just didn't, you know, Francisco Liriano season was a train wreck.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Andrew McCutcheon season, which we're going to talk about in a minute, like has not been good. He's basically been, like, a league average player all season.
1: Right, which is really sad.
0: You know, the bullpen at the beginning of the year was a disaster. They've really turned it around since the All-Star break, and they've actually been uh, one of the better bullpens in the, the National League. But so, and, you know, like, the same thing happened in Cleveland with, and, you know, again, not to beat a dead horse, but with the Swisher and Bourne signings, like, that crippled you guys for a while. You guys did not have flexibility in Cleveland to do what you needed to do because you had those Swisher and born contracts just dragging you down. Yep. And you, it, I mean, it was nice that you guys were able to parlay two bad contracts into one bad contract. So at least you had, you know, an extra roster spot with the uh, Chris Johnson trade, but. You know what's
1: interesting though, too, with that, i stop you there for a moment. Yeah, is absolutely. that I wonder if what Cleveland did in the did with that trade and what we're also seeing from other Teams recently with Carlos Gomez being released. I wonder if more teams are going ahead and saying, no, you know what, it's just not worth a guy like that. Take up the roster spot. The sun cost anyway, money wise. Right, yeah. Move on.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're competing, that absolutely makes sense. And I think it's. Is Pittsburgh out for or is uh, I'm sorry, is Cleveland out from Chris Johnson's contract now, or do they is this year hit the last year on Chris Johnson's contract? I
1: think this is the last year, of for... course.
0: Yeah, so they they're paying for him this year. Correct. But yeah, so I mean, that kind of stuff it hurts. Like it mm-hmm. it hurts Pittsburgh that Francisco Liriano was awful all season long, to the point where they felt like they couldn't repair him throughout this season and next season. And they, you know, made the salary dump trade that we've talked about ad nauseum. (laughs) Yes. But so kind of piggybacking off that when we're talking about why is Pittsburgh floating around 500? I mean, a a big part of that is because Andrew McCutcheon has been a league average player all season long. As of right now, he's triple slashing 244, 323, 407. And that on base percentage makes my stomach churn. Like I hate, I hate having to look at that. 323 on base percentage. That's like a, this is what you expect from like Josh Harrison. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That stings. And if you look at his career line, so his career line of 292, 381, 487. Yeah. Like something is obviously not right. We get it, but then it makes you wonder, you know, we've got cut through what? 2018. So we've got two more years after this year of cutch. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you... Like, do you think you can fix him? What do you What do you do with Andrew McCutcheon? And that's why that trade talk, I guess, has been so relevant. Because when you're counting on a player like Kutch, and that's the production that you're getting from him, with the money that you're spending on him, it's sinking your lineup.
1: I still suspect, and won't know for sure, I still think he's hurt.
0: That's what... That's the only thing I can conclude. Yeah, like it's, it's got to be that he's hurt.
1: Uh, I mean, like his numbers across the board are down compared to his career averages.
0: Oh yeah, I mean his he's negative six point two defensive runs saved this season. Yep, his infield fly ball rate has spiked. You know, it's up like around twelve percent. Um, and I mean, you can talk about just purely anecdotal evidence. I mean, there are times where he's at the plate and you watch a swing and you're like, good lord, why are you swinging at that? <laughs> um, I mean, his hard hit average has dropped a ton. I mean, his career hard hit average is like 40%. This year it's down around like 32%. Um, it was up over 40% the last two seasons coming into the season. Um, you know, again, according to Fangraphs, his, his soft hit rate, is up to almost twenty two percent. And that's after sitting at like thirteen point one and eleven point eight the last two seasons. So when he's making contact, he's not driving the ball like he has the last couple of years. Um you know, I went and did a little digging deeper on cutch. This was like a an all day rabbit hole. Dexter was taking a nap and I'm like, alright, we gotta we gotta get this research done while we can. And so I I hopped onto Brooks baseball and He's seen recently an uptick in fastballs with pitchers that are just coming right at him. They're not even really wasting as much time with the off-speed stuff as they are, you know, coming at him with an approach of like, all right, here it is, hit it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And he's still not, I mean, he's been playing a little bit better lately, but, you know, he hasn't turned his season around like you would hope he would. So, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of curious what it is. I mean, was it an, an injury at the beginning of the year that maybe you know, started him off slow and then he got it in his own head. Is it something that's been dogging him all year? I'm, I'm curious to see what it, what, what we'll find at the end of the year, because I, and remember he said the same thing last year. Oh no, I'm fine. I'm okay. Cause he had a slow start to last season. And then this season we found out like, oh yeah, well that thumb was bothering me at the beginning of the year. So, you know, maybe we'll have to wait until next spring training to see if what it is that's bothering him this year. Who knows? Um, but yeah, Kutch's lack of production has adversely affected the Pirates winning this season. Now, someone who could positively impact the Pirates' ability to win this season uh, was just recalled, which is uh, Josh Bell, who was called up, and it looks like it's going to be for good this season. It looks like the Pirates are going to give him an extended look. And I want to ask you this, Bob. I'm going to preface my Josh Bell talk with this. Uh, do you think that Josh Bell got a lot better defensively at first base in the three or four weeks that they sent him back down there? Not really. Yeah. Do you, do you, <laughs> do you think he turned himself into Mark Grace in four weeks, Bob? No. So, I mean, it just kind of makes me wonder why did you even send him down in the first place? Like what, what did he accomplish down there in the four weeks that you sent him down?
1: They probably saw that, since the all-star break that John Jaso is hitting
0: 167. Yeah. He's been, he's been bad for a while. <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, I, I don't know. And, and I'm sure that there's probably reasons why they are doing what they're doing, but he actually, he made his first start uh, at first base. Uh, was it yesterday against uh, Houston? And so I just, I, I, again, I don't, because I'm a new parent, I don't get to watch every game live, so I watch a lot of the, the games the next day. So I, I watched the game this morning. Um, and he looked okay at first base. Like, it wasn't the end of the world. You know, there was a, a hard-hit ground ball that he kind of booted. And it would have been a nice play if he had made it, but it, you know, like, it it didn't look out of place with the ball kind of skipping out of his mitt. Um, he's also a, playing, he's playing first base tonight, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's back in there tonight. Um, And I think there was a Ryan Vogel song throw that, like, kind of sailed over, and you're like, eh, you know, could he have caught that? Maybe. You know, he tried to keep his foot on the bag a little too long, and the the throw went sailing over his head. But, like, if you're going to be nitpicky about that kind of stuff, like, you know, you're going to be splitting hairs all season long with Josh Bell. He looked okay (laughs) at first base. He looked a little stiff. He looked a little, like, you know, like... (laughs) Oh, and we've seen this before. When you're coaching varsity baseball, the first time you stick a kid out in first base, it just <laughs> looks a little uneasy. You a little know? awkward. Yeah. He's, he's wondering if the pitcher's going to like throw over or, you know, how far should I be jumping off the bag to play my position? Like rocking back and forth on his feet, a little uneasy, that kind of stuff. But he didn't look terrible and he didn't make like any Pedro Alvarez type errors over there. Like a line drive that just hit him in the mitt that fell out.
1: No By the that, way, I, had, no that nonsense. I was watching the Baltimore game a couple days ago, and uh, El Toro was playing third base, and he charged the ball, filled it cleanly, as was a positive, and then threw a one-hopper to first base from a very short distance.
0: I've never seen <laughs>
1: – it was like, oh, my gosh, this is why you don't play the field. He has the worst case of the yips since Chuck Knoblock.
0: Yes, like that's the like in my mental rolodex of yips. Chuck Knoblock is the last player I really remember having a case this bad. <laughs> that's Pedro Alvarez. You can't. You just defensively cannot have him anywhere near the field. <laughs> no. Um. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. Josh Bell has a great hit tool. He has an above average hit tool. Um. You know, he has above average power. You know, he's. A little slower, you know, speed-wise. He's not like a burner on the base paths or anything. But, you know, he has he has a chance to be an above-average major league player at first base, um, which is something that John Jaso isn't going to be.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So give him a look. Let's see what we've got there. Um, yeah, so, and happy to see him in the lineup against tonight. Like you said, he's one for two tonight so far. Uh, with uh, It looks like a run driven in. So, yes. Yeah. He's hitting a a robust
1: 455 on this major league season. So let me ask this question. I was watching MLB Network, and they were debating this uh, with the Buccos. The Buckos are still in the playoff hunt. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Would you have made the Melanson trade, given the current position the Pirates are in? Yeah, I would have.
0: Okay. I... So, I mean, the Pirates are one of those teams that are in that weird position because of their owner that Neil Huntington has to think of the future while thinking about the present all the time. And I think a lot of times that's why he doesn't make the big splashy trades that everybody wants. You know, he makes the, like, "Yeah, we got Marlon Bird and John Buck for a playoff <laughs> push. Or we get Justin Morneau. You know, like they aren't going to do what the Indians are doing. You know, trading their top hitting prospect to go get, you know, two years of a relief pitcher because that's just the financial reality of what Neil Huntington has to to navigate. Um. Yeah, so I think if I'm in his in his position, I'm. Uh, yeah, I would still trade Mark Melanson because he's going to be gone at the end of the season. I. They did the same thing, and we again we talked about this last podcast, but mm-hmm. that was how they ended up with Mark Melanson. They traded Joel Hanrahan, right, and landed you know Stolmy Pimentel and Mark Melanson and you know whatever other guy came back in that trade. Um. So yeah, I mean, and you know you can look at the pieces they got back. They got back. <laughs> a major league ready reliever in Felipe Rivero who throws 97 miles an hour left-handed. Um, and Taylor Hearn is, uh, from all accounts that I've heard is, has looked good. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was a smart move. I, I like it a savvy move. Um, so yeah, i all, all in all, I'm still supportive of that. Yeah. Felipe Rivero's ERAs. .87 in his 10 and a third innings. Like,
1: yeah.
0: what more could you want? he 18 strikeouts in 10 and a third. So, yeah, that's that's a good move. Um, so the last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up today, uh, David Freeze signed a contract extension. It's a very unique thing. That Pittsburgh does not routinely extend players during the season. Um, the contract, it looks like, is going to be for... Two years with a third-year club option. Um, he'll make six point two five million next season, four point two five million uh, in two thousand eighteen with a club option for six million in two thousand nineteen, or a half a million dollar buyout. Um, you know, freezes. I guess you could, from all accounts, say earned this money. And the the thing about this that I the first thing that I thought of as soon as this happened was the Francisco Liriano trade because. The, the thing that, that – uh, trading Francisco Liriano inherently didn't upset me. What upset me was the salary dump and the, the trading of prospects. Irregardless of what people think about what Reese McGuire is going to turn into. Um, and, you know, like – and the media was hard on Neil Huntington. They really – they asked him, you know, that next press conference, like, hey, you just dumped $13 million. And he said, "Yeah, but now we can look to spend that money elsewhere." So as soon as they extended David Freeze, the first thing I thought, "There goes Francisco Liriano's money."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it basically was Francisco Liriano's—you know—it's like eleven million dollars over the next two seasons. There's uh, there's Francisco Liriano's contract going to David Freeze now. <laughs> it's a good signing. I I feel okay about it. I you know. David Fries has been a very productive player for Pittsburgh this season. Um, especially when you consider in the context of um, Jung Ho Gong has not been uh, good <laughs> to the point that him Gong going on the DL was a relief because we weren't going to have to watch him you know, kicking the ball around the infield anymore. So I, I think it's also kind of a, a hedging of the bets as well where they're looking at Gong's contract and his play and thinking like, well, (laughs) we better have a backup plan in place. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you can look at Freese this season. Uh, He's triple slashing 276, 357, 436. Um, You know, he's putting up good numbers relative to the rest of his career. He has 12 homers uh, on the year in 395 plate appearances. So, you know, he's kind of projecting out to like a full season, maybe like a 20 home run season. Um, yeah overall just it's it's a good signing he's been worth nearly two wins so i mean if you go to look to get that production on the open market um obviously you're going to pay more for that and i think it, and i guess also it's kind of a unique thing that pittsburgh was able to get david freeze on a one-year three million dollar contract when you consider he was coming off a like a decent season with the angels um so yeah i like the freeze signing Again, it's not like a sexy, big-ticket move, but it's a move that could help solidify that team where they need some consistent play from, I guess. Any thoughts on the free signing from the outside perspective of an Indians fan?
1: I like it as well. Um, It's curious, though, because since the All-Star break, he really hasn't hit as well as the first half of the season. But I think also, like you mentioned, it does sort of provide insurance with Kong, you know. But also, David Freeze has been uh, flexible position wise. A little bit of third base, a little bit of first base. He even played second base a couple times, didn't he?
0: Uh, I'm not sure on that, but we can check I on think, it.
1: I think he did.
0: I wouldn't be surprised. He seems. And the other narrative surrounding him right now is, uh, you know, he's like, oh, a great clubhouse guy. And. So, you know, like, he seems like the kind of guy that would be like, oh, our (laughs) we used our backup catcher as a pinch hitter. (laughs) And now Cervelli's hurt, and David Freese would be like, I'll play catcher.
1: He's played five innings, second base this year in two games.
0: That's kind of what he seems like. He seems like just a, like, he seems like a little league kind of player who'd be like, sure, I'll play. There. We don't have Mm -hmm. a guy. I'll do it.
1: You got to admit. But I saw an interesting stat as well, and I don't know if you saw it too. The Pirates record with David Freeze playing is a lot better than when he's not playing. Yeah, maybe he has just the will to win. Maybe that's maybe that's what he does. He just wins games. He <laughs> just win, maybe. But I'm a fan. I like, the, I like the idea that he can play, you know, multiple positions, and the contract is very, you know, team-friendly, honestly. Like you said, the value-wise, you can pay for open market.
0: Yeah, and there's really not a bad – two-year deal
1: no and he's what 33 years old 34
0: yeah right so you're
1: not so you should probably expect to have similar production next couple years
0: yeah I mean I I, I think that's reasonable yeah I mean yeah. if you you know you get a 270 15 homer 60 RBI season from him like you'll feel all right about that at the end of the year
1: mm-hmm
0: yeah overall good signing so, I guess uh, Pirates fans just kind of keep your eye on the wild card watch because that's obviously what we're continually chasing this season. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it for the Pirates. Anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this thing up?
1: Uh, Akron, uh, Rubber Ducks will be in town next week in Erie. Yeah, I was a- just going to say we should have a quick Seagull shout out. Yeah, four games so, set. Uh,
0: and I was going to say I took my son, so my, my uh, son is now. Uh, a little over two months old. So we went to our first baseball game yesterday. I was trying to explain the intricacies of uh, wins above <laughs> replacement to him. He hasn't grasped that concept yet, but uh, we're Didn't working on that. it. Yeah. So yeah, we went to the Seals game yesterday, Buck Night. Uh, the stadium was packed. We got there and we did like a. So this year I did a, a ticket voucher package instead of like the the season ticket package because I wanted the flexibility of being able to pick and choose when i was gonna go and uh we got there and the line to get uh tickets was all the way down the sidewalk i mean it was like a hundred yard line and i was like oh boy so we got there we ended up getting tickets uh we got seats they were to standing room only pretty quickly after that and uh went up to the beer garden hung out up there watched some baseball up there a safe distance away from baseballs my newborn was nowhere near uh anywhere where a Baseball is going to be dangerous to him. (laughs) And uh, we had a hell of a good time. Seals ended up uh, winning the bottom of the eighth. They put up like four runs on the board and and came away. Um, Last Buck night of the season will be uh, this upcoming Monday. So if you haven't got out there uh, to yet make sure you uh, do so. And, yeah, Akron comes to town. Is it next week? Yes. Yeah, so Akron will be in town. Um, And do you know uh, who are some of the players that we should be keeping our eye on on uh, Akron's squad?
1: Uh, I'm curious to see Greg Allen because Greg Allen got promoted from Lynchburg to Akron, uh, basically the same time that Akron had promoted Fraser and Zimmer to Columbus. Yeah. So he's a key guy I want to see play. Um, Luigi Rodriguez, I'd like to see him play. Um, I believe Mayweather, the pitcher, is at Akron right now. I'd double check those to find out. Yeah. That's the same Akron team that started this season though.
0: Yeah, very different look this season. Yes. If you missed Akron like I did at the beginning of the season, you're kind of sad because all those players are no longer there. They're either on uh, they're either in uh Triple A or they're on new franchises. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um But yeah, definitely get out to the ballpark. Jeriatt still great great fan experience at Jeriatt cannot sing its praises enough. Um I will say, too, last night, when I walked into the stadium, it was kind of intoxicating to be back at a baseball game because I hadn't been to a baseball game since my son had been born. So I've been watching everything on my TV. And uh, so we're pushing the stroller down the, uh, you know, the, the bottom rotunda there. Uh, and I looked over at the field and saw the first baseman for the uh, Flying Squirrels. And let me tell you that Angel Villalona is a massive human being. <laughs> he is like an eclipse at first base that just blots out the entire base path, <laughs> the entire first base base, just gone. Couldn't, couldn't even see that there was a runner on base. He is a, they have him listed at 63 255 And, uh, I believe every pound of that. If not, <laughs> more. he's a, he's a thick boy, but, uh, yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be it with the seawolves anything else we want to add with the uh, seawolves shout out before we wrap this thing up
1: uh mean dean green is doing well at triple a
0: yeah we were just talking about dean green yesterday i think he's gonna have the uh steven moya disease uh i think uh he might be or the matt we should probably call it the matt laporta disease he might we might have to start referring to him as triple a superstar dean green (laughs) he's gonna have some holes in that long swing Okay. Um, well, that's going to wrap us up for today. We'd like to thank our listeners and, again, ask if you're listening to us on iTunes that you give us a rate and review. Uh, we are trying to record as consistently as possible, but we have to go back to work, and I have a baby, so that will be tricky. <laughs> but we're going to try and keep up with the uh, with the baseball action as we are winding up the season. Uh, in the meantime, you can check us out on the web. at You can email us at You can follow us on the Twitter at tristate.com. And you can check us out on Facebook at Facebook.com. Backstop. So, for Bob Pinkbinder, this is Bird, and we look forward to talking to you soon.